Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and macabre murders from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales that we tell. And it's episode 94. 94. 94. First of a new year. It is. Happy New Year, Nick. Merry New Year to you. Merry New Year to you all. We hope you're all still alive. Yeah, hopefully, yes. (laughs) Well, we do hope that. Well, That's a that nice thing to week, hope. Not just once a year. Well, maybe for you. I don't know. <laughs> this is true. Hope you've all had a jolly, lovely new year and that you are raring to go for 2022. Uh, we don't care about your resolutions. We don't care about any resolutions. Nope. Just, just keep, None of that. <laughs> keep doing what you're doing. You're doing great. You're doing great. Absolutely. Yeah. How are you, Nick? I'm all right. I'm doing great, apparently. Great, great, I'm great. Doing, it's all great. <laughs> yeah okay let's let's go with that as mentioned on last week's show i had a bit of a dilemma i was thinking hmm do i do dry january or not and i have decided to do dry january so brace yourself people i will not be drinking through january nick very much will yeah and sinead she won't last so we'll <gasps> go with that so cruel <laughs> are you being mean to me to motivate me or is it just you want no to be no mean to me? it, it won't happen <laughs> i know you yeah i'm going to stick with it you don't know how much money i've invested in squash <laughs> or how much money we've invested in non-alcoholic spirits yes it is exciting this month because nick in in a rare moment of kindness decided to help me out in this venture we have invested in some special non-alcoholic spirits there are so many non-alcoholic cocktails and spirits brands out there i never knew so many existed and they're absolutely pummeling me on social media at the moment (laughs) they heard tell but you're not drinking quick have these have these have these but we have invested in some products from liars from liars yes that we're going to be opening testing telling you how they fare they haven't arrived today in time for this week's recording sadly which means that i'm going to have to improvise when it comes to cocktail time but we're going to continue doing cocktails based on the stories i'm going to have to make up a non-alcoholic version of whatever the secret ingredient is and somehow it'll all work out fine somehow it'll all be fine any poisonings this week nick 
No, I know. I think everyone's just, is full of the cheers of the new year, or just can't be asked. It's Ev- everyone's just everyone's work. Okay, go on back at work. Oh, blah, blah. The effort of dodging <laughs> Omicron as well. Yeah, absolutely. Is taking well. it out of everyone. Just like why is everyone's it everywhere? Just exhausted still. So <laughs> I don't know if anyone else is getting that thing where if you don't catch COVID, and yes, it's a very mild, very spreadable variant of it, and thankfully not many people are being hospitalised. And you know, our thoughts go out to anyone who has been struck down by it. But I don't know if you feel the same way that the fact that I haven't got it, I sort of think I am the chosen one and I have immunity that must be harvested for all. Can, I, I, can I point oh. out this is not a new thing with COVID? What? That you think you're the chosen one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is, this, is, this is not a recent development, I feel. No, but I usually am struck down with every kind of illness. So now that I haven't <laughs> but, but got then, COVID, yes. I'm like, I am super immune. <laughs> oh, my God, my bones and my marrow, it very thing rejects COVID. And that yeah. will lend to some sort of golden child esque. I've been, I've been chosen, yeah. and I must go to the pyramids and and find the lost treasure. Or of... you get ill, and you've been chosen because you've become ill. Uh, oh, that so too. There's, there's, a lot, yes. there's a lot of you just are generally chosen for a great number of things. <laughs> it's going to happen one day, Nick. It's going to happen one day. <laughs> yes, yes. Spread, spread your bets out. Yes. If you go for enough things, one of them is going to pan out. Exactly. One day, a guy in a trench coat in the rain is going to knock on my door, hand me a briefcase full of riches, and it's going to be based on one of the things I've made yeah. up about myself. So there we go. I look forward to that day. Good. Well, speaking of being the chosen ones and men in trench coats coming to your door and giving you things, I think it's time for us to thank our delicious new Patreon subscribers. Yes, we should indeed. Welcome to the 2022 of the Poisonous Cabinet. So thank you so much this week to uh, Nicole Nonclerk. To B. Hope Brady. And to Chloe Haribo. And to Catherine Legras. Thank you very much, darlings. Thank you very much, you lovely, very sexy people. Thank you so much for supporting us on Patreon. We've had fun on Patreon this week. A gruesome story that was yeah, fascinating. Story. We had a story that featured a method of death that we haven't new featured. One yes, a new one. And I, I don't want us to do it again. <laughs> it was upsetting for all concerned. Yes, but it was a jolly time for all. And if you want to know what the hell we're banging on about, it's very easy for you to come over and find out if you join us on Patreon for but $5 a month. Completely flexible. You can dip in and dip out, but there's lots of extra content on there just waiting for you to eat. Listen. <laughs> listen, eat. Listen, listen, eat. Devour. There we go. Covers best of both worlds there. <laughs> well, Nick, are you ready? Uh, not in the slightest, no. To drink cocktails and talk about poison. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I'm getting sort of slightly shaky on this one because I, I haven't had my customary pre-cocktail cocktail. So it's, <laughs> it's like something, something's very wrong with this, this situation here. So you're very ready or you're... Um... I'm, I'm very ready. I'm absolutely gasping. Because, I mean, we, we, could, we could drink poison and talk about cocktails yeah. if you'd rather. No. Just to prolong the... Prolong the agony. Prolong the agony or heighten the sense of... In- Anticipation? <laughs> An anticipation? It was very apt, wasn't it? <laughs> Should we go with the first one? Let, yes, whatever that one was. I Yay. <laughs> drink cocktails. Yes, that one. Talk about poison. My that. God, man. <laughs> you look more desperate for drink than I am, and no, I'm not no, even drinking. It's actually quite worrying as well. <laughs> <laughs> you get to actually have one. All right, let's go with the first one. Hooray, hooray, hooray. Because as you know, we can't, we can't, we can't possibly have a story without a cocktail in hand. As you know, dear listeners, every week we choose a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we tell, and it will flavour our cocktail of the week. Nick's story this week, so his pick. And Nick, the secret ingredient is... Is, this week, is a potato. Which, I'm, I'm, I had to check back because I'm thought, amazed we haven't done it yet. Yes. A Cue potato. all the Irish jokes right now. Yeah, absolutely. I came with a sack of potatoes. Potato man, where the hell have you been? <laughs> well, it, it doesn't scream cocktail at me. Well, I think if you think about it, then it probably does. Oh, yes, because it's the base <laughs> of many a liquor. Indeed. So I think, yeah. So I think... 
there's probably a plentier cocktail in plenty of potato in a cocktail because potato is the base spirit of, of vodka uh, i guess and so like, oh interesting okay well as we've said in january we've got two things that we've got to come up with but the main star of the show of course is the alcoholic cocktail so what have you come up with nick with potato as your ingredient so this week we are having a vodka stinger a vodka stinger of course vodka so, yes. potatoes vodka mm. <laughs> don't sound I, so surprised at that <laughs> just trying to build trying a to sense build of bloody the, wonder the excitement and the wonder of it all i'm trying to create and me crashing it down on uh, this is all very much live yeah vodka singer a classic to start the year well i've never had one before have you not no i haven't either so there we go i don't know why i'm so accusatory yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> baseless um, but yeah I, I was thinking i need a vodka cocktail but i thought oh i could do a martini or something like that i thought mm. i could do a vespa just to annoy Sinead because she likes a vespa um uh. But I then I thought, no, I'm going to have I'm going to have something different. Mm. And I came across the vodka stinger, which the only reason I went, oh, that's exciting, is because it's a lyric from um, "Ladies Who Lunch" from by Stephen Sondheim and Company. It is. Um, so it's like, right, I've got to have one of them. And it also features in a Neil Simon play. Good, good. Well, a vodka stinger sounds delicious. Mm. Now I had to come up with something with potato as well. You just going to suck on a potato, a straw in a potato. I'm not going to lie, Nick. This may be preferable. Because I did have a search, and normally if we have ingredients, there's something lyrical about them that I could go, oh, okay, I could take an inspiration and come up with a really nice non-alcoholic cocktail, but bloody potatoes. And then I started thinking, okay, potato, yeah, base for vodka. And Googled something that has been featured in The Guardian from one website. Many people have shared this. Even someone has commented on Instagram with it. I think it. I know what you're going to make, and it's just dreadful. I just felt like, okay, this has to happen. So I'm going to make a non-alcoholic dirty martini mm. with a special ingredient, which <laughs> I shall reveal in oh, due course. Which I know what it is. I'm going to need some equipment with this on hand. A bucket. <laughs> Maybe a bucket. But without further ado, before we say any more, I think we should disappear into the poisonous cabinet kitchen and shake up a storm. So we'll see you in a minute we'll see you in a bit and we're back hello so nick you have a lovely looking beverage I in front have of a you very pleasant looking beverage a crystal clear looking number now i you have to freely admit i i was going oh vodka stinger classic no idea what's bloody in it apparently <laughs> i kept so- thinking it was with bitter lemon or something like that or I don't know. But yes, it looks lovely. Why don't you talk us through what oh, you're enjoying? It's, it's, it looks clear. Crystal clear. Crystal clear. Uh, I'm going to give it a go. I've not had one of these before. Ooh, Let me... It smells. <laughs> it smells? <laughs> it smells of the things that are in it, so... Okay, right, okay. It's actually very nice. <laughs> really? And terrifyingly drinkable. Oh, God. <laughs> Considering it has just got vodka and creme de menthe. Is that it? It's two ingredients, vodka and mint stirred over a lot of ice till it's ice cold and it is really good <laughs> i'm surprised actually i thought i was like, i'm not gonna like that i've never hated you more but um, that that's gonna go down incredibly fast can i smell it no no, no it's fine. <laughs> not even getting a snifter no. oh i'm happy for you nick very happy yeah i'm for i'm you. i'm also happy for me because i just i can just see what you've no, made no, let's, let's, let's not talk about that let's and just I'm, keep talking about your thing no, and my, pretend my this thing isn't is, happening my thing is delightful oh god um i've drunk it very very quickly but, um, <laughs> now i'm going to put it to one side because yes i'm i'm intrigued by this i i hesitate to call it a drink really um <laughs> well i have brought some props along as i said i've got my drink and my screaming pillow oh is that what the pillow was for i wondered why you went to the front room to grab a cushion yeah so it's it's that fact we've got a screaming screaming cushion okay. just in case just in case this isn't the taste sensation that we know <laughs> it will be 
So I am going to talk through the ingredients first. No, no getting out of tasting this thing. No, 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 no. I'm going to taste it. But I feel fair to warn people that I have not chosen a delicious non-alcoholic professionally made vodka no i followed a recipe that bizarrely called for substituting vodka with potato water i mean who doesn't love some nice potato water water that potato has just been cooked in and then as it's a dirty martini some of the brine from the olives which you would normally do all the leftover bits really isn't it shaken up and shaken up over ice nice and cold nice and cold diluted it it has a uh, has a film on the top of it that's gonna be very starchy i think isn't it um you get a lot of starch comes out when you cook a potato i like the way they've um, said and then yes yes just put put two olives on a stick and pour it over okay. so it looks like something it's in a martini glass I, yeah i mean you've 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 dressed it up as, as good as much as you can i have i have so let's just dive in and taste because it could be very nice it could be okay right i'm gonna taste it excuse me Whoever invented that hates cocktails and wants to see them die. I can, I'm, I'm not even attempting to, to try to try that, I'm afraid. I mean, yeah. it's so insane I had to do it just for the crack. <laughs> but it's just it's just potato and water and, and brine. That's what this is. It's not even a hint of anything. Because I say, when I drink vodka, I don't think potatoes. You don't get the flavour of a potato when you have some vodka. And it's got none of the sharpness or the yeah. the bite. If you were trying to substitute vodka for something else, you still need some bite to it, even though it's it's tasteless, kind of. It's got a bite. This is just briny water. It doesn't even look like a martini. No. Murky gloom. Oh, God. Whoever invented this is, I think, is an evil <laughs> genius. Because this recipe, again, if you Google it, it comes up. Someone's already shared it to me. It was picked up by The Guardian in kind of non-alcoholic cocktails in a very tongue-in-cheek way of like, what the hell is this? And people are sharing it because this person, in all earnest honesty on their website, has written going, yeah, it's just potato water. That's, so I mean, that's, just, just, that's someone who's never drunk vodka before in their life is saying that. No, of just going, um, it's a base of potato and just put some brine in it and then that's the same thing the as same a martini thing. it's in just, why why or would this happen very bad martinis in their life maybe maybe uh. that was it they only tasted the brininess <laughs> and they just thought hey potato water that's just clever no they they could be an evil genius and they wrote down today dirty martini with potato water tomorrow take over the world <laughs> that 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 is probably the height of their ambition and i i think they could do it based on how evil this is so yeah that, that that's oh god why? you sure can I, can I tempt you with your own vodka stinger it's very nice i'm not i'm not it's gonna very, have very, it very nice fuck you fuck you <laughs> i have said which I nick need... keeps yelling at me for i'm not gonna drink but if he makes a really amazingly weird different cocktail i'm allowed a tiny tiny sip of it no, just to drinking. taste it no 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 no, no it's no, not like quaffing no, and having a whole no, thing no i entirely disagree with this <laughs> You're just going to ban me from absolutely, it. You're just yeah. going to taunt me. No, absolutely. People vote. People can vote no, well, if I'm allowed a tiny, tiny sip. And if the listeners say, then we have to do it. No, they don't. I mean, no, I will fight you, Nick. I will fight you. <laughs> but also, the good thing is, is I've got olives now. So I have olives. Mm, you don't have olives with your no, delicious, I don't. delicious I cocktail. I have a delicious vodka stinger. Yeah. I'm just going to eat this olive. I'll pretend that that potato water I'll thing never happened. i to that. <laughs> don't worry. I've got a backup squash. 
Well, you have your vodka stinger firmly in hand. I do. I have hurled whatever this is into a ditch and I'm jumping on it just to make sure that it will never bother anyone <laughs> ever again. Uh, is it time for a story? It certainly most definitely is. Hooray! Hurrah, hurrah. So today I'm going to tell you a delightful tale. It's a lovely tale of Dorothea Puente. 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 I'm going to give you what the her nickname in the media and it may well give you some sort of hint as to where this story is going. Okay. But she was known as the Death House Landlady. Ooh, that's a terrible nickname. It's a dreadful, dreadful nickname. <laughs> that is, again, um, just mashing things together. Death yeah. House Landlady. Yeah. That's it. No, can you not really maybe put a little bit of lyricism behind it? No. 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 There was death. There was a house. She was a landlady. Done. Lunch. I mean, she's, her name is Dorothea. Dorothea Death. Bit of alliteration yeah. in there would have been good. But no, none of that. The, oh, I'm trying to think now. Well, alliteration with landlady. Uh, lascivious is the only thing I can think of. It depends if she yeah, was that may, It may be appropriate as you hear the story. Yeah, there um, you are. But yeah, but no, I think they could have been slightly more imaginative yes. with her with her subriquet, but they they didn't. Death House Landlady. Death House Landlady. <laughs> That's what they went with. So Woo-hoo. Dorothea Helen Gray. She was born Dorothea Helen Gray. She is born on January the 9th, 1929 okay. in San Bernardo County in California. California. Now her parents are both drunk. Um, (laughs) Professional drunks. Professional drunks and spend what little money they have on the cheapest booze that they can find. Um, Potato water's all Potato water all all the way around. When she was eight, her father dies of tuberculosis. Then her mother is killed just a year later in a motorcycle accident. And Dorothea is sent to an orphanage. Not a great start to life. It's not a great start to life. I mean, she probably has more luck in the orphanage than she did at home with two fairly... Well, two alcoholic and not particularly interested parents. She probably has a better upbringing in the orphanage than she did at home. More stability. Yeah. When she reaches of age of about 16, she she leaves the orphanage, as she must. Um, And at 17, she marries Fred McFall. Um, McFall. McFall. It's a good name. He's a soldier who has just returned from the Pacific. So we're coming to the end of the Second World War at this point. It just uh, feels like she's just gone out of the orphanage. Anybody, anybody. anybody yeah, well, pretty much. She's, she's got nowhere to go. She's got no parents. Oh, she's got true. no siblings. So she is like, right, marry me, someone. <laughs> <laughs> just shouting that in the just streets. Out, out of the orphanage, shouting it on the street corner. They have two daughters, but yes. neither of them are particularly cut out for parenthood. One daughter is sent to live with, with some relatives. The other is given up for, for adoption. Yeah, okay. Nice. Now, still, however, convinced that the children are the way to fix a relatively damaged and non-started relationship. Obviously. Um, Dorothea falls pregnant again. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, what else do you do, really? It's just like, oh, we're bored, let's have some sex. Nothing else to do, can't afford to go out anywhere. So, <laughs> children will fix everything, let's have all the sex. TVs were limited back TVs then. TVs were limited back then, absolutely. Yes, read a book, no. No, none of that. That's exactly oh, how it happens. That's, how, that's it? how these things work. <laughs> it's a lovely jaded view you have of uh, romantic absolutely. life. <laughs> And she does indeed. She falls pregnant for a third time. But unfortunately, this time she actually suffers a miscarriage and loses loses the child. Now, this does seem to be the final straw for their very brief marriage. And Fred leaves Dorothea in late 1948. Now, she is entirely humiliated at being abandoned by her husband and starts to claim and claims the rest of her life that Fred has, in fact, died of a heart attack within weeks of their marriage and that she has never had children. Really? She maintains this sort of fantasy or this this lie that 
she was never married. She was oh. never married. I've never had kids. I, I, so I didn't fail oh, that's as, not... as a wife or mother. So she's got a very peculiar outlook on things. That's not a good sign. Really, no, indeed. It? It's, no. it's not an ideal it's start. It's not pointing to, to a healthy attitude towards <laughs> life. It's a bad thing. It never happened. La, 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 la. Now, she's alone again and in desperate need of money. And she tries forging checks, which doesn't go particularly well. And she is caught and sent to jail for a year. But she's paroled after six months for, for good behaviour in prison. And soon Did after... Did she forge the good behaviour well, letter? Potentially, yes. I have been very good. Signed, Mr. Warden. Well, the warden signed it. Let her out. Signed it. Let her out. Now, uh, soon after her release, she falls pregnant yet again. To, to a man she hardly knows, really. Oh. Again, <gasps> out of prison. Hello. Hello, you over there. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to have children? <laughs> and he goes, yes, okay. Okay. <laughs> and she gives birth to a baby girl, which again she gives up for adoption. Oh, dear. In 1952, she marries for a second time. A Swede named Axel Johansson. Very good name. Oh, it's a good, it's a good Swedish name, Axel yeah. Johansson. It's a Axel good sort of Nordic sort of thing. Just once I wish that when someone said they married a Swede, it was the vegetable. It was a vegetable. Married a vegetable. <laughs> Perhaps a potato. No, it wasn't a potato. <laughs> and then she made a soup. That was her third husband, was a potato. <laughs> her second husband, Axel, is, is not a pleasant man. He prides himself on being tough and being manly and masculine and in control. Their 14 years together are pretty much a series of consistent violent brawls and, and shouting matches, really. <laughs> but Dorothea seems she seems to thrive on this this chaos um and this madness that surrounds her and mm. rather than being sort of cowed by her violent husband she gives as good as she gets oh, oh, right <laughs> so they back. are they are slapping each other around the place Ooh, okay <laughs> this, volatile this passionate relationship. well exactly if one minute is, is beating the crap out of each other then it's a 24-hour romp <laughs> before going back to beating the crap out of each other again <laughs> so it's the court it's, records on this are amazing it's, it's quite changeable it would <laughs> it would seem oh my in 1960 she's arrested in a brothel um she claims she was visiting a friend of course yep. <laughs> when the when the police raid occurs i was just visiting my chum but no she herself is given 90 days in sacramento county jail she was only in that brothel to get directions on how to get away from that brothel. exactly <laughs> she was in there just preaching the word of the lord and saying stop all of that this man who i'm talking to in the corner i'm trying to show him Without the righteous path on my knees you know what fine okay bang to rights <laughs> following her release she she hits the streets and she is picked up shortly after for vagrancy and given a further 90 days in jail that's that's pretty harsh i mean what's she gonna yeah. do well she's still married at this point she's still married to you to johansson but he seems like a shit he is a, he, well he is indeed a shit he absolutely but she's also not entirely innocent Ooh. so she could have gone back there but no she preferred to spend her times on the street sleeping rough yeah. um, and she is yeah she's picked up for vagrancy mm. and more time in jail she is still married to Johansson at this point but he refuses to to support her any further he goes no you've been arrested in a brothel you've been arrested for vagrancy on the streets you, I am not going to I'm not going to look after you I'm not going to support you at all you you've set your own path charming man charming well man. exactly we said he's not a nice man to begin with really Ugh. so she does fend for herself with various scams uh, and petty theft to make ends meet her criminal career seems to be on the up really until one day she finds steady work as a nurse's aide she focuses on disabled and elderly people in private homes so and she would go and assist a nurse if the nurse needed to do some more more physical heavy lifting of someone she would go in and be sort of almost like the muscle behind the like nurse the orderly really. uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely like it's exactly orderly. what it is like a private orderly but she picked up a lot of skills and things and eventually right. she sort of took on a few of her own clients perhaps when the nurse the actual nurse said oh, okay well i'm not needed 
my particular nursing skills aren't needed. This person needs someone to come in and do X, Y, Z. She was perfectly capable of doing X, Y, and Z. So she was sort of set up on her own to do her own little bits and pieces. She does gain a bit of a reputation as quite a skillful and and a very much a no-nonsense carer, really. She, (laughs) She doesn't take shit from anyone. She does the job well. But the say. families love that, though, don't they? As they like, yeah. Oh, yeah, she's great with the older ones. They don't say a word. Mm. <laughs> In 1966, she divorces Johansson and moves on to husband number three, Robert Puente. This marriage is doomed from the start, really. <laughs> Robert is 19 years younger than Dorothea wow. um, and has a lot of trouble staying faithful to his new wife. The marriage Shocking. lasts 18 months. before Dorothea goes no none of that he's off shagging half the city so is she to be honest as well probably but this is probably not the best match no so they decide to go their separate ways why did they get married in the first place something to do yes Um, she is she's independent in some ways and she very much looks after herself but also in other ways seems very dependent on having a man in her life not necessarily to look after or care for Mm. her but have but being Seen to be seen to be successful in a, having, in love. having a relationship. Seen to be desirable. To be, yeah, absolutely, something like that. I mean, it was again was the style. It was the style of the time. You know, unmarried woman. You'd be sort of not not hugely, but a few eyebrows raised. Mm. Not long after the end of this most recent marriage, Dorothea takes over the running of a, of a large boarding house. Now she, as I say, she has gained this reputation as a, a sort of nurse, a carer, as forthright, no nonsense sort of person, and she's actually sought out and employed to run uh, this boarding house. It has sixteen rooms, and it specialises in the care of those who really have nowhere else to go. And the owners are delighted with Dorothy's experience and her practical approach to, to things, but they do become slightly concerned by Dorothy's increasingly frequent male visitors to the to the house, her, her frequent guests residents in the house start to complain about either loud screaming arguments or very vocal moments of passion (laughs) shall we shall we say with her various gentlemen callers well she's not subtle is she she's not a subtle woman come in i'll kill you (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly it's it's, it swings between the two very rapidly it would say oh my god she's not subtle about it Especially in the space of 10 minutes. Yeah. The visit. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. In 1976, she marries for the fourth time. Oh, bloody hell. But her choice of husband has not improved. Pedro Montevallo. Oh. Um, he is a violent alcoholic, a worthless layabout, and the marriage lasts less than three months. Yeah. This time, Dorothea consoles herself and her dreadful taste in men by hanging around in bars looking for male company. That sounds awesome. Sounds the best way to, Absolutely. to sort of console yourself. Like just, After your fourth failed marriage. Exactly. Just lean um, on the bar, hoping that someone will buy you a nice cool potato water. <laughs> she prefers old gentlemen, preferably those who are receiving benefits. And she would win over her new admirers with her charms, steal their benefit checks, oh, God. and then cash them by forging their signatures. Well, she's got a nice thing going she's on She's got a little here, nice thing she? going, and it's it working well for a while until she is eventually caught out yeah. um, and charged with 34 counts of fraud <laughs> against, against various men. We've all been lining up. Sort of saying, how did you meet this woman? It wasn't in a bar. It wasn't in a it, bar. At church, she she took things from me. Which church? I don't know. Just get her. Yeah, so soon other allegations start being made against Dorothea. A 74-year-old pensioner, Malcolm McKenzie, comes forward, telling police that he had met Dorothea at a local bar called the Zebra Club. Oh, good name. Good name. They had had several drinks together, after which he had invited her back to his apartment. 74, good 74. on you. 74, good, good on for you, you man. mate. Absolutely. Go on, boy. However, 
soon after they arrive, he starts to become dizzy. And although he is conscious, he is entirely unable to move. Oh. Um, and he can only sit and watch as Dorothea ransacks his house. Oh my God. Searching for various valuables. Taking his collection of rare coins as well. Um, and levering a diamond ring off his finger. As, as he sits there, wow. sort of paralysed. First of all, I mean, that's ballsy it's of ballsy, her yeah. and very clever of her to yeah. paralyse them. Secondly, he had a diamond ring. This guy was bling. <laughs> it's very bling. 74-year-old man just showing up his bling in the bar. Going to the zebra club with his diamond ring, looking yeah. for the honeys. So. <laughs> he sounds awesome, actually. <laughs> yeah, so the owners of the boarding house fire her straight away. Aye. Um, now, this procession of random men is one thing, but bringing the police to the house. Oh, no. That is quite another. I mean, what will the neighbours think? Really, what would the neighbours think? I think the, the neighbours are traumatised by the noises that have been coming in. <laughs> well, it's, it's detached. They've got a lot of land. Sounds so... like she was loud. Well, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> they could hear her two towns over. And down goes the vodka stinger. Down goes the vodka stinger. You know, I did look over at the drink and there was that split second thing where I was like, oh, I've got a drink. And they went, oh, God, no, it's just taste of sadness. I'm like, I can't have that. <laughs> no. Next week, nicer one. Next week, definitely a nice one. We'll have lovely things by next week. In 1982, Dorothea is convicted on charges of fraud and theft and sentenced to five years in prison. Ooh, big stretch. Now, while in prison, she receives a letter from a chap named Everson Gilmuth. This is just a chorus of brilliant names. Excellent names. Everson. Everson Gilmuth. Everson? I've never heard the name Everson No, before. indeed not. No. Is there a famous Everson that we're not just not thinking of? No. Everson Gilmuth. Everson has a habit of writing to women in prison, writes to strike up various friendships, and they do, and Dorothea responds to his to his letters, oh, um, and the pair strike up a, a, a fast friendship with their pen pal scheme. When she is released from prison, Everson is waiting for her in his shiny red Ford pickup truck Ooh. to collect her from prison. Shiny, shiny. We like but, shiny things. But there are loads of people write to prisoners in that prison. <laughs> in prison. Well, I, must say, I don't know why I'm adding in prison. They're prisoners. But yeah, there's lots of lots of stories about people who are just fascinated and, yeah, again, and want to start relationships. <laughs> I mean, you must be desperate. You must be crazy and desperate. I've, I've got, got a red shiny pickup I've truck. I've got a shiny car. After she's released from prison, Dorothy starts to rent a room from a friend. And her and Everson develop their their relationship and soon enough they are making wedding plans yay now everson is very different to all her previous husband he is quiet he's unassuming he is very easy for her to control he quite willingly opens up a joint account and gives her access to all of his his money Um, oh no i'm thinking emerson is lonely now yeah i think he's a lonely he's a lonely man he's writing writing to people in prison i'm just being will you be my exactly will you be my friend and this woman writes back and go, yes, I'll be your friend. I love you. Um, <laughs> he was like, God, that was so easy. <laughs> exactly. So he's been entirely suckered in by this charming and, and lovely persona. And forthright woman. Ugh. And a very confident and forthright woman. Absolutely. Mm. Now, soon Dorothea uses Everson's money to rent the whole house that she's in. Rather than just rent a room, she decides she's going to take on the whole house. Oh, fair enough. She is done managing other people's business, businesses and other people's boarding house. This time she is going to be in complete control. No one is going to fire her from her own business, from her own establishment. Fair enough. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Despite Dorothy's history of imprisonment and theft and fraud, she has no shortage of people applying to be taken in to her boarding house. Well, then who's going to know, though? Who's well, going to know like, about her past? No one really knows about But what people do know is people know she's got this reputation of this sort of caring, forceful, yeah. confident, forthright, no-nonsense, but still good at her job, yeah. quite skilled. And the sort of people that she that she takes in are, yeah, they're, they're homeless. They may have drug, drug issues and alcohol issues. They need someone who is forthright, not going to take any shit, and be quite confident and deal to deal with these people she's taking in, and she fits the bill. But also, they they want they're going to look for someone who will take them in. Yeah, <laughs> they've probably yeah. been turned down by everywhere else. Yeah. Probably yeah. if she's forthright and doesn't take any shit, that's that's less advantageous mm. for them. It's more that we actually can get a room here. Everyone else is like, go, and she's mm. like, yeah, come in, come in. <laughs> in November 1985, Dorothea hires a local handyman, Ishmael Flores to put up some wood panelling in her house. Now, in exchange for this work, he is given a red Ford pickup truck. What? Dorothea tells him the truck belongs to to an old boyfriend. Uh, He's gone away. He no longer needs it. Ishmael is delighted with this exchange. He has got a great deal. He's doing a few odd jobs around the house, bit of panelling. He's got a brand new Ford pickup for this. Great. Oh, no. As he so was, that, she, she does not understand money. <laughs> well, she she's underst- trying to get rid of it. She's trying to get rid of it. Mm. She also understands something of, not loyalty, but something of, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to ask you to do some shit. You're going to keep your mouth shut. Clever girl. Yeah. As, he is, as he is packing up for the day, Dorothy asks him for one tiny, small job that I need, need doing. If you could do from this evening, that'd be fantastic. Completely forgotten to ask before. She would be incredibly grateful. Ismail has just got a car out the woman. 
He's not going to argue about some apparently tiny, small job. Mm. She needed a box built. She needs a box built, she said, around about six foot long, around three foot wide, two foot deep. I've got, I've got some stuff I need to put in storage. Yes. This box will be incredibly useful. You just knock something together for me. Mm. That'll be fantastic. Ishmael goes, yep, yeah, not a problem. Knocks up this this wooden box, leaves her for the evening. This particularly long, thin particularly box. long, human... thin, coffin-shaped type of yes. box. Just, just chisel a cross on the top of it if you <laughs> he, could. He seems to ask no questions Mm. about what this box is for. The next day, he returns to continue work, and he finds the box has been filled and nailed shut. Yes, you always nail the box shut. One more tiny, tiny favour, she asks. The box needs to go to the storage depot in town. Remember that pickup I gave you? Can we get it in the back of the pickup, take it to the storage depot? Yes, absolutely, no bother at all. And with the help of a neighbour, they load this box. The storage um, depot? Onto onto his pickup truck. Oh, God. Dorothea goes with him for the ride to the storage depot, but on the way, she changed her mind. I don't really need all those books in that box. Don't really need all that stuff. Is it really worth paying storage? So just pull over here off the highway. We'll dump it in the river. Oh, for God's sake. And we'll, we'll head back and have a beer. And Ishmael <laughs> goes, yeah, all right, fine. <laughs> Are you sure you don't want it? No? Okay, fine. Off we go. Ishmael pulls off the highway. The box goes in the river. Off they go back. Dorothea cracks open a couple of beers. Oh, my God. That's just, okay, let's just remove this from my truck at all evidence. Yes, I will yeah. need a beer after this. Either he doesn't, he really doesn't realise, or he, he goes along, he know. doesn't want to know. He just goes along with it entirely. Wouldn't it be great if he was that much of an idiot? Like, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll okay. this. Yeah. Okay, boss. Okay, I'll put it in your river. You sure you don't want anything? No, okay. Tell me about the rabbits. <laughs> On New Year's Day in 1986, two fishermen are fishing in the river surprisingly and they Shocking. come they come across a foul smelling box this is gonna be great two fishermen are kissing by the river <laughs> they're having a, having grand a secret time. affair <laughs> and it's ruined by a foul smelling box they find a foul smelling box oh, in the no. river they inform local police who arrive and pry open the box inside they find the remains of everson gilmouth no! he's dressed in his underwear and wrapped in a white bedsheet and bound with black electrical tape the body shows no signs of wounds and pretty much decomposed beyond the point of recognition. At the time, they do not know who this person is. No. It is only later that it is identified. The body is added to the collection of unsolved murders. We'll figure it out at some point. The body would, was to remain unidentified for three years. Yeesh. In the meantime, though, as far as everyone else was concerned, Everson Gilmouth was still very much alive, but he was very ill. Couldn't possibly come downstairs. Could we go and see him? No, 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 you can't go and see him. He's very, very ill. He's very, <laughs> ups- he's very unwell upstairs. He has the COVID. <laughs> he has the COVID. Dorothea continues to collect his pension. She writes letters to his family explaining his absence and his lack of visits due to his desperate ill health. Mm. Dorothea continues to expand her business. And at one time she houses 40 tenants in the house. It's a big house then. It's a big house, although really crammed in. (laughs) Most are drunks, drug addicts, people that not that many people are that bothered about. They're homeless people who have been put there by the state or by the police going they need somewhere to sober up to live for a bit and they end up at dorothy's boarding house no one's but going she, to no one's them. going to question it she is earning good money but she is squandering most of it on a very lavish lifestyle she goes back to cruising bars looking for new ways to make some cash might find some older gents there with a benefit check that she can she can steal yeah with her house full of paying guests, though, she devises a plan where she she will collect all the mail 
that comes in each day and she opens it before the tenants see it. She then takes out their benefits checks, gives them a small little stipend that they can use to spend on stuff and everything else she she takes from wow. their benefits checks. Expenses, she says, all the expenses are very expensive looking after you a lot. Yeah. So you have these couple of dollars that you can go and buy some cigarettes or whatever. Yeah, it's absolutely you can go and fine. keep yourself in do, drink or drugs or yeah, Well, whatever. exactly. And a lot of them do. They A lot of them end, yeah. as soon as they get their stipend from Dorothea, they end up down the bars, pissed out their heads, get picked up by the police, end up in jail for 30 months. Dorothy is there, benefit check, 30 days, don't have to feed them, don't have to do anything with no, them. Yeah. And I've pocketed the lot. Bloody hell. So yeah. she's having a grand time. But soon enough, not even these scams are enough to fund her lifestyle. On August 19th, Betty Palmer, a 77-year-old resident of the boarding house, never returns from a doctor's appointment. Several weeks later, though, Dorothea arrives at the benefit office to collect Betty's benefit check. She hands over an ID with Betty's name, but her picture on it, and walks out with her benefits check. So So she's managed to get a fake ID from somewhere. Well, yeah. Yeah, or she's done it herself, because obviously she's a forger, and she's been able to do these things. So maybe she's just... I mean, obviously they're not checking very much, are they? They're not checking very thoroughly, but it's got her picture and Betty's name on there. Here, have 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 your cash, have your cash. Good God. In February the next year, another tenant, Leona Carpenter, is discharged from hospital and placed in Dorothea's care. She is 78. Puenta makes up a bed for her as a temporary measure, but two weeks later she's gone missing and she is never heard from again. (laughs) James Gallup is 62 and is last seen in July 1987. He's been treated by his doctor and after months in hospital following an operation, um, he tells the doctor that he is moving to a nearby boarding house. He too is never seen again. The following October, 62-year-old Vera Martin moves into the boarding house and vanishes. (laughs) <laughs> just through the floorboards. Just through the floorboards. Who knows? She's really racking them up. She's, now, yeah, isn't she's, she? she's ploughing yeah. through them. In 1988, volunteer aid worker Judy Moisey makes arrangements for one of the homeless men that she she knew and she cared for, a chap called Bert Montoya, to take a place at Dorothea's boarding house. Okay. Now, to begin with, Judy is delighted at the level of care that Bert is receiving. He seems to be doing so much better than he did on, on the outside, as it were. Well, fair enough. As Judy is leaving the house one day, she comments to Dorothea about there's a very about a powerful smell that is that is coming from her vegetable garden. <laughs> fish emulsion, replies Dorothea. Oh. Bits of fish used to fertilise the vegetable patch. Yeah, fish blood Smells and bone. Smells terrible, but does wonders for the potatoes, she says. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> is that where it comes from? And that's where, her guests did very much enjoy her wholesome, homegrown meals. Oh, God. In they're fact, all eating potatoes they're all from eating the garden of potatoes death. potatoes from the garden of death. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> now, in fact, the smell from Dorothea's vegetable garden has become so bad that neighbours have complained to the police about this sickly sweet odour that emanates from her garden and the clouds of flies um, that buzz around the street. But it, And she just goes, no, it's the fish. It's all the fish. It's all the fertiliser. All the fertiliser. Look at those potatoes. Aren't they lovely? They're very, very good. <laughs> they're yes. very, they're grand. They're huge potatoes. Huge potatoes. <laughs> I've never encountered before if, assuming there's there's something under the ground in the vegetable patch other than produce that, it, that such a smell is emanating well perhaps it's not buried very deeply yes yeah shallow grave. very very shallow yeah and the cl- clouds of flies <laughs> clouds. and yeah. they just sort of they're just bodies there just sort of covered vaguely over with dirt and she said no those are leeks no those are the scarecrows yeah they're, they're scarecrows yeah absolutely yeah, there's a lot of them all <laughs> piled up and there are crows pecking out their eyes now one day judy pays a visit to see how bert is doing but she is told that he's left 
He's gone to stay with family in Mexico, Dorothea claims. Now, Judy knows for a fact that Bertrand has no family in Mexico and grows very suspicious. On November the 7th, following numerous visits to the house to try and get information on Bert's whereabouts, Judy files a missing persons report with the police. Good for Judy. The police go to the house to question Dorothea and have a look around to see if they can find out what has happened with Bert. While they're there talking to the other guests, a male resident passes a note surreptitiously to one of the officers. (gasps) When they get outside and read it, it describes how Dorothea has told them to lie to them. Oh. And they need to check out the vegetable patch. Go to the vegetable patch. <laughs> Four days later, the police return with a warrant to search the house and shovels to dig up the garden. Yeah. Over the following days, seven bodies, <gasps> including Bert Montoya's, are unearthed. Dorothea appears shocked and appalled as, as these bodies are, are wrenched out from between the potatoes. <laughs> um <laughs> One body, who eventually turned out to be Betty Palmer, was actually missing the head, hands and lower legs. Oh, God. Has been entirely chopped into the bits. Now, at the same time, police began an investigation into the disappearance of Everson Gilmuth. He is certainly not at all ill up in the bedroom. No. As has been claimed, the bedroom is quite empty. And, and she's uh, going, dear God, what's happening? <laughs> what's happened to him? Someone's he- burying bodies in my vegetable garden that I had no yes, idea about. my husband was, he was here this morning. <laughs> but now he's ghost. gone. Eventually, Everson's body is identified from hospital x-rays and they match it to the the body they have in storage. Um, But no cause of death is ever determined. But a post-mortem examination of the seven bodies found in the yard reveal huge concentrations of the sedative fluorazepam. Ooh! So she's been knocking these people out, just overdosing yeah. them on sleeping sleeping pills. So really. they, is that how they've that's died? How, that's how they've died. After oh my massive God. overdoses of, oh. sleepy, of sleeping pills. Poisoned with sleeping pills. Police later find dozens of prescriptions for the drug amongst Dorothea's papers. As the investigation progresses, detectives discover that Dorothea has cashed in over 60 benefit checks belonging to her deceased guests after their deaths. The police have enough evidence and motive and go to arrest Dorothea for murder. But she has vanished. 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 Is she hiding under the vegetables? She's under the vegetable patch. She's under the vegetable patch. Vegetables, the greatest poison of them all. Sometime between Friday the November the 11th and Monday the November the 14th, as police have been digging up the garden, Dorothea had packed a bag and simply walked away. Well, yeah, no one's arrested her. No one's arrested her. She's banged to rights <laughs> here, isn't she? She's just calmly left the house and walked away. Sidestepping out of town. <laughs> a very embarrassed police force now launch a statewide search and enlist the help of the FBI to try and track her down. Airports, bus depots, railway stations are all checked without mm. result. She is later found to have laid a false trail booking a flight to LA in her own name, but never boarding the plane. Oh, clever girl. Yeah, indeed. Ooh. So please discount Los Angeles as a as a destination, thinking, yeah. well, that was entire smokescreen. In fact, Dorothy Puente is safely ensconced in room 31 of the Royal Viking Hotel in downtown LA. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, having booked in under the name of Donna Johansson. Yes, ooh, one of never her previous look- husbands. She keeps a low profile and stays in her room watching TV. But after several days, she's getting thoroughly bored. She's a social woman. She needs to be out and about. She um, misses the high life. Indeed, and she puts on her best dress and takes a cab to the nearest bar. Oh, good God. She starts up with a conversation with a sad and lonely man named Charles Willigoose. 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 <laughs> 
Sounds like he's willing a goose on. He's willing a goose. He's willing a goose. <laughs> As they got to know each other, Donna started to steer the conversation to Charles's finan- financial situation. Of course. Comes up in all manner of conversation, and quite naturally in a bar, I find. Yes. What are your benefits? How are you doing? What, how much do you get paid? When she finds out that he is on sickness benefit, she begins suggesting ways that he can increase his payout using various loopholes and extra things that he could claim and he's yeah. going oh that's, that's grand he's also well, wondering yeah. how uh, how do you know all these things yeah. <laughs> how do you possibly know so much about the benefit system and he becomes increasingly uncomfortable with this conversation Good um, for him. especially when she suggests that they should probably move in together <laughs> <laughs> so, he's going it's maybe a bit, bit forward. It's a lot. It's a lot <laughs> it's, in the first date. Okay, here's how you can just get more money out of things. Also, I love you. Yeah, exactly. They do go their separate ways, but with the promise that Charles will take her shopping the next day. Charles returns to his apartment, but there is still something bugging him about this encounter. It was a very bizarre evening. Mm. He turns on the television to try and relax, and there, emblazoned on every news channel, is the face of his new love, wanted. <gasps> on suspicion of multiple murders. Ooh, it's a good job he turned on the TV Well, that indeed, night, absolutely. Uh-huh. Now, Charles is, for some reason, Charles is reluctant to call the police. Perhaps he's not entirely convinced that this is definitely the woman. Mm, not not sure. such a danger, is it? So, so instead, but he calls the CBS News Service and tells his story to a journalist there, a chap called Gene Silver. Now, he is a veteran journalist yeah. and he smells a scoop. If he could catch a multiple murderer live on air... Ratings gold, that one. Yeah. Absolutely. He summons a camera crew and rings the police. Nice. At 10.20pm, Dorothea has a knock on her door at the Royal Viking Hotel. As she answered the door, she is momentarily blinded by the glare of camera (sighs) lights in her face. Um, She is promptly asked for some sort of identification. She hands over her driver's licence, the name Dorothea Montevallo. Her fourth husband. Yeah. But the address on the license is 1426F Street, Sacramento, the same as to the boarding house. They have their woman. Now, within hours, Dorothea is whisked away to the airport where she is returned to Sacramento. During the transport, she tells a reporter, I cashed checks, yes, but I never killed anyone. I used to be a good person once. (laughs) <laughs> she says oh well like, that's all right then that's okay then you guys she said once. she used to be a good person we can't get her now yeah. as soon as she arrives she is charged with the murder of bert montoya mm. she is unsurprisingly denied bail and the police continue their very long task of identifying remains and processing all the evidence that's coming out of the house finally after months of preparation the prosecution is ready the prosecution launched their case, determined to portray Dorothy as a greedy, manipulating, cold-blooded killer whose sole reason for opening her boarding house was to murder clients, claim their benefits, and live off the proceeds. Yeah, figures. Over the following days, the pros- prosecution present a long list of witnesses who provide damning evidence. In response, the defence set out to prove that the client is a victim of circumstance. Um... <laughs> and proceeded to imply that these so-called victims have all died from natural causes, but Dorothea was afraid that she may have been held responsible because they died in her care. So she buried them carefully, caringly in her garden where she could lovingly look after them in their rest. Yes, of course that's what happened. Exactly. Absolutely. (laughs) And then just was cashing their checks because she loved them so much. She loved them so much. She needed to feed her potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) To support their case, though, they call upon a whole host of very supportive witnesses witnesses who attest to her charitable nature her good works all these lovely things she's done to help people 
and stuff in the past. Well, that's it, yeah. The trial drags on for months and months and months and months and months. Wow. By the end, the jury had heard testimony from 153 different witnesses. They've been shown three and a half thousand pages of evidence. Good God. But eventually, by July the 15th, 1993, the jury do retire to consider their verdict. 93? This is 93. Oh my God. It's gone on for an awful long time. Very long time. Now, many people think this is an entirely cut and dry case. She was obviously guilty. No one could think otherwise. But days pass with no words uh, from the jury as they go over and over and over all the evidence. Mm. Until on the afternoon of August the 2nd, a note is passed to the judge. We, the jury are deadlocked on all nine counts. Wow. We would like further instructions. The judge came back with quite a simple instruction. Go back and try again. Right, <laughs> Just okay. work it out. <laughs> Just well, yeah, that's sort, your job. Sort it out. By the 26th of August, the jury had at last reached a verdict. Before a packed courtroom, the clerk read the verdicts. <gasps> Guilty on three counts of murder. The jury were still unable to agree on the six other counts. And the judge is forced to de- declare a mistrial for the six undecided really? charges because they, they they can't decide no, guilty exactly. or not guilty. We don't we just don't know. So it's mistrial, but guilty on three. Okay, three out of nine. Three out of nine ain't three bad. Nine, the, bad. The prosecution will settle for three out of nine. They are pushing for the death penalty. They are going all out for the death penalty. Yeah. By the eleventh of December, so another few months now, the judge has at last reached his decision, and he passes sentence. Dorothea Puente is to be committed to life in prison without the possibility of parole. She is incarcerated at Central California Women's Facility. She maintains her innocence for the rest of her life, insisting that all of her boarders died of natural causes. She didn't harm a single one of them. Dorothea Puente dies in prison on the 27th of March 2011. Wow. From natural causes, 82 years old. It's a story of the Death House Landlady. Death House Landlady. Ooh, a modern one. A modern tale. A for your modern delectish. tale for the main episode. We don't often have modern wow. tales in here, but it's always nice to have them. Oh, good goodness me, that had everything. Good story, there Nick. Really, really good story. Good detail in there as well. So it's staggering that they took so long. Absolutely, months and months and months and months to, to yeah to bring the whole to bring the whole thing to trial. Now, whether that was months and months and months of them gathering evidence or they've mm. got the evidence but they couldn't get a, a date in the courtroom and yeah. so things were delayed and delayed so it was yeah but then the, the jury were deliberating I mean obviously it's very easy for us because you so beautifully succinctly laid out the story <laughs> I'm go, sure oh, there oh, were okay. many other more subtle components in there that I may have missed well as you said um, you know lots of people were willing to say oh she's such a nice lady and yes, we really absolutely. like her and we get on well with her and everything and that's the, the moral of the story isn't it or the lesson that should be learnt not all serial killers go around cackling and top all the time they are capable of being pleasant most of the time otherwise they would be you'd catch them a lot quicker Mm, indeed it does seem like pretty cut and dry yeah i i I agree who Um, is going to be burying seven bodies in the vegetable patch going oh i just didn't want to get into any trouble and then going and cashing their checks And then doing all of this weird shady business and dumping a body in dumping a box a by the river. river. Dumping your husband's, your fifth husband's body yeah. in the box by the river. Even though they, they, they weren't able to determine how the, the chap had died. Yeah. Even if that one had been natural causes, why would you dump the body in, the, in a box 
in a river. Yeah, I guess if they were trying to go for, for first degree murder on that one, there's probably different degrees that they could have gone yeah. with it. But I suppose if the prosecution were just going death penalty, death penalty, death penalty, they probably made it quite hard to have any kind of nuance in there. But still, three out of nine. Three out of nine. Ooh. Yeah, it, seems, it did the trick. She got she got locked up. It does seem like, I mean, she'd obviously had a very sad background. For sure. Was attracted to all sorts of unsuitable men and going from place to place and just living the free, quick, easy life. And just living off other people's money. Oh, yeah. God. Poor Everson. He just seemed like a lonely man. <laughs> lonely man writing to crazy ladies in Don't prison. Don't write to crazy ladies in prison. They might come out and kill you. <laughs> I mean, maybe they'll have reformed. I don't know. Ooh, yes. And very recent. Oh, yeah, indeed. Story. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what mm. do you think, people? Do you know the story? Do you know any of the background to it? Any theories or thoughts? Do you think she was innocent? Is it possible that she was just burying these bodies because they died in her care and... Oh, no i'll just cover this up is that likely maybe it was tell us what you think jump on the comments send us messages about the story do you remember the case because this is in living memory this one certainly is yeah yeah so tell us if you've heard of it and while you're listening do make sure you mix up a lovely vodka stinger or a delightful potato water don't mix up a lovely potato water because it's just it's just lies but a vodka stinger will go down very very nicely i'm told it does go around very nicely indeed the recipes for both the vodka stinger and the non-alcoholic dirty martini will be out on friday i will make better non-alcoholic drinks for next week but i can recommend some squashes for this week but we'll have a whole host of things that we can work through in the future keep sending suggestions of more stories that we can cover in 2022 different types of stories different kind of things you'd like us to explore very open to ideas keep sending suggestions of cocktails through and tell your friends about the poisoner's cabinet about the main episodes about the patreon episodes and get yourself some merch if you haven't already thanks for listening guys we have been the people inside the poisoner's cabinet we will see you next week and remember your loved ones are trying to kill you oh.